authors and and people that have done these challenges talk about like oh i never let doubt creep into my head i never for once for one second thought i wasn't going to do this and for me i i say that's crap that's absolute um try there's no possible way that if you're doing something that big that there isn't going to be moments where you think I, I don't know if i can finish this i don't know if i've bitten off too much Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners, experts and thought leaders in the field of business resilience. Do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of John Clark. Uh, good afternoon to you, John. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me on. Good to see you. I'm just going to tell the audience a little bit about you, and then we'll get into a conversation. Uh, you own and run Rise Fitness Gym in Malvern. Um, I say you used to play rugby, you, but you continue to play rugby. But You play for Malvern, but you broke your neck in 2012 when a scrum collapsed, which is probably not the greatest thing to have done, but... Interestingly, and quite amazingly, you then went on to become a strongman competitor uh, and where you crowned Britain's natural strongest man in 2015 and 2016, and you're still competing today. Uh, but today we're going to be diving into a, a challenge that you did a number of years ago um, of where you, you completed 48 marathons in 48 consecutive days in 48 England counties and just explore the why and the how how you achieve that and just get a little bit more insight into your mindset and let's learn from that and see how we can apply it to our own lives whether we're in, in a sport context or in a business context but before we go there um john just want to ask what do you love about what you do um the opportunity to learn i guess and i i think a lot of people that do kind of charity challenges whether it's kind of 5k a day um in in a month or some like 48 marathons or 48 days it's not just it's very cliche to be like oh you learn stuff about yourself but you actually learn a lot about the world around you um people um society um various different things that you learn along the way it's not just kind of those introspective life lessons that they they teach you but it's the the lessons that you learn in in life really from doing it and it's almost like a microcosm of the world around you um and it's always just a good challenge to to test yourself um and see whether you are where you think you are in in life i guess um so that's one of the things that really drives me with the challenges that i've done and with my business and so on and so forth it is that constant chance to test myself um and and push forward in something that i'm genuinely passionate passionate about and enjoy doing I can think of other ways of um, testing yourself, but um, you decided to use a, you know, 48 marathons and it's a huge thing. I mean, a marathon in itself is, is quite a big challenge and people see that as a, like a year long challenge, don't they, to sort of build themselves up, train for a marathon. And it's a great achievement. Absolutely great. Um, what what was the why behind 48? I know there's a charity, but what, 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 why, why, why 48 marathons and, and why, take on such a an awesome challenge of that over the 48 days um it's it's always multifaceted to these things like you hear a lot of people talk about oh what's your why and what's the one kind of like golden thread that runs through everything that you do and i think there's 
it's very rare that there is just one thing that's driving you. And I think if it is only ever one thing that drives you, there's probably more chance that that why will start to diminish as the struggle rises. Um, so I guess my multiple whys were firstly to see whether I could, like I said earlier, like a chance to challenge myself. Like it never been done before, let alone never been done by someone of my genetic predisposition to be the size that I am and the non-runner that I was and still am today. I don't I still don't consider myself a runner. Um so there was that element to it. There's an element in terms of we were just kind of in the depths of COVID when the um the idea came about and there was obviously a lot of stuff in the media with child food poverty and, and so on and so forth. And I grew up in a household with a disabled father and lived in food poverty, relied on benefits and um governmental support and handouts and whatnot so it held quite a um, special place in my heart in terms of hearing of all these people that were struggling mm-hmm. so there was that why as well with a chance to not only test myself but also actually hopefully make a dent in helping people that are less fortunate than I am um, and also as a coach an opportunity to show people that again without sounding too cliche but any, anything to some extent is is possible um like you say like training for a marathon for a lot of people would be considered a year-long endeavor um i had 14 months to prepare for 48 consecutive ones so it was a real opportunity to try and demonstrate to people that a lot of the limitations that we place upon ourselves are placed by ourselves rather mm-hmm. than our actual ability and uh, resilience and mindset um, so yeah, there were lots of whys that ran through it and I, I lent on a lot of them daily throughout. It was never one constant kind of rhetoric in my head of repeating the same mantra. It was it was dawn, like drawing on different po- pockets of inspiration throughout the journey and, and when it got tough, certain things motivated me more and, and it was half of the battle was knowing which part to draw upon um, at certain times as, as the challenge went on. Yeah, talk us through that because I think it's good to have those multiple reasons why you're doing such a big challenge, um, which you just you've named, and one that's part of who you are and and pushing the boundaries and everything else. How did you, whether you did this consciously or not or unconsciously, how did you select at times um, which one that would get you through? And, and have you got an example of when you were finding it difficult uh, through? I'm sure there were many many examples, but anything that struck you and thinking actually I'm going to pull on this particular reason or get me through it would just be interesting to understand how you use those as almost like a mindset hack really yeah it it depends on the situation situation awareness right like if we talk about high level performers in sport a lot of it is around recognizing the situation in front of them thinking calmly and pressure making them and executing the right decision based on what is unfolding in front of them so i think a lot of it is that situational awareness of what do i need right now to get me to the next marker so i i always broke it down it, it was never 48 marathons it was just today i'm running a marathon we'll deal with tomorrow when we get there and we'll once it's once we've run that marathon that's parked and that it doesn't count anymore it's the next marathon that we now focus on so some mornings i woke up full of the joys of spring well not full of the joys of spring but in a, in a good mood and positivity and things around me that were like donations people sending me well wishes and social media tags and news stories and and whatnot were the things that drove me and then the times where i woke up in absolute pieces and my knee wasn't working and my achilles felt like it was going to snap some of it then had to dig in and it was that bloody minded resilience in terms of you've got a lot of people to prove wrong and thinking and david goggins talked 
wouldn't use David Goggins as a primary as a great example for a lot of things. But in this instance, he calls about it his cookie jar in terms mm. of things that people have said that are negative that will drive him. So again, in, in times of pain and difficulty, then to prove a few people wrong was was the drive from those days. So it was never one recurring thing that got me through it. It was always just that situation awareness of right, what do I need right now to get me to the next marker? And then let's use that. And sometimes you, you draw all those things and it wasn't really working. It was still pain and words were starting to creep into your head of can I do this, can I finish today's run, so on and so forth. And you have to change change your approach. But that adaptability to be resilient in different ways, I think, is is a key part of not just these kind of challenges, but business, life, relationships, and and that broader life piece of how we navigate mm. what we do day to day as well. Yeah, and it's interesting. It, it's that situational point, isn't it? Knowing what's in front of you right now and how do I deal with that rather than trying to think of what's next, what's next day, what's in two weeks' time, et cetera, et cetera. Because we often get caught up with planning out too much in the future, don't we, rather than being in the here and now. And that's probably far better to be in the moment and sort of relying on what resources do we need right now, not in two weeks' time. And what I need today is important. Before you took on the challenge, and was there any sort of, I don't know, was there a, a sort of fear or a, something that overwhelmed you? And I just wondered, if anything sort of thought, actually, I'm, I'm not so sure about this. And how did you sort of deal with that sort of even before you started the actual challenge itself? Daily. Um, daily in the builder, daily throughout. And you, you hear a lot of authors and and people that have done these challenges talk about like, oh, I never let doubt creep into my head. I never for once, for one second thought I wasn't going to do this. And for me, I I say that's crap. That's absolute um, trite. There's no possible way that if you're doing something that big, that there isn't going to be moments where you think, I, I don't know if I can finish this. I don't know if I've bitten off too much because that's, for me, that's the definition of really pushing yourself, right? If you're just constantly playing safe, so to speak, mm. then there's not that same risk-reward, same thrill, same outcome, same drive. Like, I think one of the reasons why it got so many people got behind it was because I wasn't a traditional runner, and it was something that so, so many people were watching with a little bit of anticipation of for that post to say, I'm having to stop because of X injury. Mm. So... There was a lot of days um, in the build-up to it. Um, I had a stress fracture in my foot, uh, I think it was about eight weeks before the first marathon that then derailed the final kind of bits of prep as well, which is obviously perfect time. It's just what you need. Um, but yeah, there was every single day, there was a moment where I was like, I've got to get up and do another 10K. And can I do this? Um, but you find find ways to go, yeah. So what, what did you do? Up. I mean... It's refreshing to hear because I agree with you. I, I don't like the, the books and the people get to the end of a you know scenario. I've done this complete this massive challenge, and you know I pushed doubt out of the way and I was full of positive thinking and all that sort of tripe, as you said. And it's good to hear that refreshing. Actually, you had doubts, you had concerns, and but when you did have those and and even lacking motivation, probably think today I just can't be bothered to do a ten k in my training. What did you do? What what was your? Do you have any sort of hacks or ways of getting yourself motivated or getting yourself in that zone? What was it? Or getting rid of the doubt? What 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 did you do to help you? It's, 
again, with these things, right? You try not to sound like a walking cliche, but it is just <laughs> that relent. It is just that relentless forward motion. It was the longer I put things off, the harder it was going to be. The more I thought about a consequence of what I was potentially doing to my body in the here and the now and the long term and everything else, the more those doubts got louder. And I, I, the way that I viewed it throughout the challenge, and I still view a lot of things in in my own mental headspace nowadays, are dials. And if the internal monologue is turned up to be negative, then obviously we need to work harder to then turn that dial back down to help us to keep going forward. So it was a it was a regular checking in with myself. And mm-hmm. I think in, in the current world we live in, right, a lot of conversation leans towards mental health and are you mentally fit? It's not like mental health is like physical fitness. Some sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, sometimes we need to work on it. And I think a large part of my success in the various challenges that I've done and the businesses that I've run is the ability to be really analytical in my own head and be honest with myself. Mm-hmm. I think like you said, like a lot of these people say, Oh, you never have any doubt. I never doubted I was going to do it, blah, blah, blah. And then so when people then go and do something difficult and they start having these negative voices in their head, they think, Oh, well, this is the beginning of the end. This is the capitulation. This is the first part of the capitulation of this mm-hmm. this challenge or this difficult time I'm going through because we're told that mental resilience should be just turned on constantly. But mental resilience is like physical fitness. It needs to be trained, it needs to be developed, it needs to be mm-hmm owned and it needs to be something that you're self-aware of so my hack for want of a better description was just checking in with myself regularly like how am i feeling physically emotionally spiritually every type which way of lee but trying to figure out where i was in that present moment and then what i needed to then take the next step and there's also how i am actually because sometimes like i give you an example like my knee felt like it was gonna fall apart it was an absolute agony but then within the first two three kilometers the pain disappeared and it stopped and i was fine for the next 40. so there's also these elements of these lies that our body and our mind can tell us and again it's like okay that hurts so there's no way around it other than strap it wrap it ice it and get moving and then we'll review it as we go and check in with it every few kilometers and to the point where you then don't need to check in on it anymore because you're moving, you're rolling mm-hmm. and you, you're moving forward. So I think a large part of success with these challenges is had been having that hyper awareness of where you're at mentally, physically, emotionally, what you then need to take those levels to the bit, to the level that you need to get into to then mm-hmm. do the thing. Um, and then the recovery at the other end of it, when you finish the marathon, like, are you, overexcited are you knackered do you need to go lie down do you need to eat what is it that you actually need in the here and the now and then what's going to be most beneficial for the long term because i learned the hard way in the first few days that it's too easy to make decisions in the here and the now that then really impact later on that evening and the next like i was really pushing caffeine i was really tired the first few marathons as you can imagine as your body takes time to adapt i was pushing caffeine really hard just to try and give me that bit of a burden to get me moving and then that massively impacted my sleep so it was yeah short-term progress but longer term that was impacting my recovery so again it's also this hyper awareness of okay if i think i need that now but what's the impact further down the line and can i do something with less physical impact now that will then help me later on so yeah i, I guess that's a bit of a rambling answer um but yeah to summarize self-awareness and then an awareness of what you need based around where you are at that present time. 
Yeah, and I don't think it's talked enough. I mean, obviously, self-awareness, emotional intelligence, obviously, is talked a lot in the context of leadership in a, in a business. But in the context of resilience, it's not really, I don't think, spoken much about knowing where you're at internally. You know, are you firing on all fires, all, all fours, or are you not feeling so good, or are you mentally feeling great, or physically feeling a bit weak, or whatever it may be, because they all play differently. Um, I know myself personally. I, I go into um, I, I go into ice bath every day, and, and I find it as apart from all the all the benefits and the science behind all that, it's a good way of me knowing where I'm at internally as well. Once I get in, depending on whatever regards of the temperature, I can sense if I'm feeling mentally, you know, robust or feeling mentally a little bit fragile today. And it's a good sort of um, dipstick supposed to be in some ways of checking checking my internal thing and i get out and thinking and obviously all the benefits that get out but i can say oh i'm not feeling so so fragile today i need to think about that how do i boost that how do i protect that how do i you know help myself and so it's it's been more self-aware isn't it yeah i I think that's the thing and i mean i i kind of first became aware of this through my rugby days so every game you play it's an expectation you turn up mentally switched on physically ready good to go turn that aggression on, go full board, try and physically dominate your opposite man, blah, blah, blah. But we've all been in changing rooms where it's quiet and the boys are nervous and you can sense that they're nervous and we're not quite there mentally and then how the captain has to say the right things or do the right things to then try and lift that elevated mood. And that's where I kind of first got my, my first kind of thoughts into actually we're not robots just because we're doing something difficult doesn't mean we should be permanently switched on permanently firing and there's days where everything looks great in a warm-up and you go out play like crap lose by 50 and you're like what the hell happened but too many people would just go oh just one of those things and move on whereas for me it was always like okay well what did i do that day to not perform at my best what could i have done differently did i need to do more mental prep physical prep did i was overtrained under recovered whatever it might be and then how can i learn a lesson from that to be better the next game that i play and i think again that it is this kind of lie that is often kind of perpetuated by especially the fitness industry that doing hard things you should never doubt your ability never doubt your robustness to do it and to complete it and i think that is more damaging to people's robustness than actually saying yeah do you know what it is hard and some days you do think i don't know if i want to do this anymore but being aware of it is the first step to then dealing with it which is the next step to then moving forward with it um and there's so many there's so many lessons that i've learned through that that i can now see in the mental health space as well with a lot of the messaging around being self-aware and things like that and not just ignoring problems and i think with difficult times whether it be a stupid running challenge or business or whatever it might be is being aware that it's a difficult time accepting that it's difficult and then going right but how do i then turn the corner rather than just going now la 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 it'll always be fine like never doubt it never doubt it just keep Mm. moving forward eventually it'll come good because again you're just burying your head in the sand until eventually something will go snap um and then that's the end of the challenge so to speak so so yeah i think it's a massively understated part of that space um in a world that especially the fitness world is driven by ego right um a lot of people don't (laughs) want to admit that they are just as fragile as the next person but perhaps their why is larger, stronger, more vocal in their own head than somebody else that feels like they couldn't do what that person's done. 
Yeah, and in, in, in an organization, it's like when you ask somebody, how are you today? And, and most people will say, oh, I'm fine. And deep down, they may not be fine. And I remember I, I was coaching the a team of ladies who were rowing around Great Britain. That's what, that was their challenge, another crazy challenge. And um, we got to a place where they we, we used a trying to understand where each of them were at on, on the boats rather than just saying, oh, we're okay. And 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 so they, they knew mentally and physically. And so they use a, a number system, you know, one to five, five are feeling really on top of it, great, one, not feeling good. And it's a good way of them disclosing, I've got, I'm number two today, <laughs> not feeling particularly great. So everybody knew, everybody's aware. And then that meant that other people might be four or five could then rally support or take some of the load off them. And it's just being more honest. And I think in an organization, it's the same thing. Just, just being more honest where you're at. And it's difficult because you've got to create an environment where people feel safe to do that, obviously, because obviously that's always deemed as you've got to be high performance and do really well and hitting the, the sales and line, everything else that goes with it. Um, I want to take you back to, um, uh, day 25 because you might not remember this but you well you might remember it because i'm going to read you a little bit of thing that you wrote it says um yesterday a couple of hours after completing my run i collapsed fainted and smashed head first on on the on the floor and split my eye pretty badly and you got basically got concussion and um which for me would signal is that not was that not a game over or potentially a game over from that point of view you're almost just over halfway and then just bang you fall over take me to that moment and, and how you sort of dealt with that yeah it was very surreal um i've never fainted i've been knocked unconscious with rugby before but i've never just fainted um and then she was was being put up in someone's house whilst i was down i can't remember what county we were in but i was being looked after and i literally stood up off my chair to shake the hand of the, the husband that was putting putting us up um and then the world went black and my head went smack <laughs> um woke up with blood all down my face and a cut eye and i've still got the scar today from a really bad bodge job um on stereo shipping it back together but but yeah it was it was a pretty worrying time i think with your with things like pain in knees ankles achilles whatever it is it's all in your own head you're like well if it goes snap i can fix that um it might take nine months of rehab or whatever, but if it breaks, it breaks. You can we can rebuild him, but um, but with um, your head, um, not so much. And so yeah, the, the first thing once I stopped the bleeding and slowly stripped my eye back together and um, reassured my wife, who was four hours away, that I was okay, um, was to then think about right. Well, what's led that to happen? Is it have I eaten something differently? Have I done something with my recovery did i um have i not had much sugar or blood sugar's low like what could have what could have caused it and there are a couple of things throughout the day like it was a really really hot day and my nutrition wasn't great i was relying more on liquid calories than um like eating calories um which is always slightly not particularly helpful in the longer term and um, so it was basically that identification going right this has happened why has it happened is it something we can control to stop it from happening again and in my head it was yes we can be more more aware of what we're eating as opposed to just what we're drinking um and then right now we need to go into full recovery mode so it was again the same recovery process as what i've been doing the previous nights with shower hot ice um hot and cold therapy um trying to get as much sleep as i can and then we'll see where we're at in the morning it was never really a 
this is now time to stop. It was just, I probably just made the next few days pretty horrendous. Um, and yeah, truth be told, it was. As soon as we started running the next day, the stereo strip came open. I was running with blood dripping down the side of my face, looking like an absolute state. Um, but again, I was looked after by, I think it was Matt that day, um, another gym owner down that neck of the woods. And him and his members ran with me and looked after me and kept talking to me and making sure that I was still in the land of the cognitively functioning um and yeah every day just take it step by step and again there was never really a doubt of okay i need to stop because there's so many opportunities where you can go looking for a reason to stop i think at any point on that challenge once i've got to like 15 16 17 days like even running seven marathons in seven days for is, is a massive thing right so i think once i've got into like double digits i don't think anyone could have possibly turned around and been like coward or begrudged the fact that i had to quit so it was it would have been so so easy to start looking for outs so for me it was okay it's happened why has it happened what can we do to make sure it doesn't happen again and then how do we manage my current state physically mentally mm. emotionally and right now let's do that plan do review execute it review it at the end of it and then move into the next day um so yeah it was it was the closest i've probably come to thinking what am I doing to myself? Um, <laughs> what long-term impact is this going to have on my health and so on and so forth? Um, mixed with the fact that we just found out we were pregnant um, as well. So it was uh, obviously, we, we've already got three kids at that point anyway. So it, was, it wasn't like, oh, there's now another person to think about, but it was obviously um, my poor pregnant wife at home is now worrying about her ridiculous husband doing this whilst pregnant so yeah there was a lot of reasons there were a lot of things i could have gone down there with an opportunity to exit mm. but for me it was never about finding an exit it was about finding a strategy to make sure it doesn't happen again and it doesn't derail it yeah that's, that seems the, the difference isn't it because we, we have that sort of negative confirmation bias naturally we're negative as, as, as individuals and it's interesting how you just to me just played just played out almost what, what resilience is really about is that things have gone wrong you 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 fell over for whatever reason doing that down to your nutrition you reviewed it you changed it you obviously rested and recovered and all that sort of stuff and and then adapted next day and you carried on you you learn it's all about learning isn't it and that's what i think because people think resilience is just about getting up and getting on with a bit of grit and sometimes there's a little bit of that but actually it's more about that learning piece isn't it Exactly that. And I mean, I, I've used this example with resilience before with the COVID closures. Um, being a gym owner at the time, obviously the government closed the gym and there was that initial moment of crap. Like, how am I going to pay my staff? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to pay my own mortgage? And so on and so forth. And it's fine to have that old oh, crap moment as long as it's then followed with, right, now what do we do? Um, and I think that's the biggest part of resilience. It's accepting that you're in a bit of a tight spot, but then thinking, right, how can I now change the course or the dynamic or the optics on where where we are? Mm. I mean, as that an example, within 24 hours, we had a full online training platform for our members. So we made that's pretty quick. <laughs> That's really well, we, quick. We, we, we kind of saw it coming, didn't we? We, we knew it, we were on borrowed time, so we'd, I'd already kind of started the. The, the wheels in motion so to speak about a week before but it was i could sit but i know a lot of other gym owners that took another week to two weeks to get it live because they were too busy lamenting the fact that they were closed and again it's like you can't change it 
it's, it, it's happened. It's like that passing out doing the run. It was like, okay, we can sit there and we can like, like attack ourselves and complain and moan and whine about why have I done that? How has that happened? Why has this happened to me? But you can't control it. And again, walking cliche, control the controllables, right? We can't control the fact that we were closed, but we can't control what we do next. We can't control the fact that I passed out, but we can't control what I do to make sure it doesn't happen again in the next 24 mm-hmm. days or however long was left. And I think that is, for me, what resilience is. It's recognizing what's controllable and what isn't, and then what can you actually do to change the situation. And I think, again, if we took at this from a business point of view, I think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners, gym owners specifically struggle, is that they get so brought in, tied up in things that they just can't control. And then they focus on the things that they can't control rather than things that they can do to put make the situation better. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that to me is resilience. It's being able to acknowledge, be aware that you're in a bit of bother, but then have the strength of mind to go, okay, how do I, how do I now take this on mm. and attack it rather than hiding from it and pretending it didn't happen or, uh, we've all done it with business, right? We've lost a client and we've not removed them from the spreadsheet because it doesn't, so it doesn't affect the bottom line, even though you know that money's not going to come in at the end of the month. Um, so rather than hide from it, how do we just accept it? And then how do we then move on from that position? And that for me is was one of the fun, uh, fundamental principles of what got me through everything, every single challenge that every day threw at mm. me um, then and every challenge I've done subsequently and business and, and all the other bits around it. Mm. And it's also adding the fact that when you have to change, you have to do something different and new. And when you do something new and different to try and navigate whatever that challenge may be, being knocked out because of the nutrition or your business is closed because of the COVID, that new thing can be a little bit uncomfortable. It can give you a sense of doubt. You've never been there before. You've never done it before. I think sometimes people feel you, you have to, everything has to be all in a good place in your head. Actually, when you're into a new territory, you can still feel a little bit, I'm not sure about this. It can feel a bit uneasy, can't it? I mean, when you went online, now we think that's a normal thing. But actually, three years ago, you know, it was quite a big thing for gym owners to do that or anybody to do online stuff. Um, and now it's like anything, we're quite comfortable with it because we're used to it. And I think sometimes it's also good to recognize when you are navigating difficulties there will be some uncomfortableness because you're going slightly out of your comfort zone as well, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's also understanding that what's the alternative? Do nothing. So, again, with the the online stuff, like I absolutely hated delivering online coaching. I absolutely hated Zoom training. But what's the alternative? We just closed the business right off the last eight years of work to build a successful gym. So, yeah, is it comfortable? Absolutely not. But the alternative is do nothing. And I think that closing what you've spent nearly a decade building is actually more uncomfortable. So I think that's the challenge as well, is that people have that paralysis by analysis and then it's like, oh, well, this is actually a really uncomfortable position for me to be in. So again, I'll hide from it, I'll ignore it, or I'll do nothing. And then that puts you even further into an uncomfortable position where you're then having to let staff go or wind up the business or close the door. So sometimes, yes, you have to be outside your comfort zone to take that next step. Um, and it's always a leap of faith, right? It's never a guarantee. Nothing, very few things in life are a guarantee or a given. Um, but it's, what's the alternative? 
do nothing and mm-hmm. you, you're going to lose the business anyway. So that's always been my approach with it is, yeah, it's hard, but let's just do what we can with what we have. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's, truth be told, what we, we spoke about briefly before we went live was around, like, I tore my calf uh, two weeks ago playing rugby. Um, it'd be easy for me to just throw in the towel and say, well, I've got middle and strongest one in six weeks. My calf won't be ready, so what's the point? But for me, it's, well, I can still do X, Y, and Z. I can still train certain movements. I can still rehab hard. Is it optimal? No, but is it something? Yes. Um, and that, for me, has always been my mindset. What do we have available to us? What can we do? And mm. I can't remember who the quote is from, but it do you, is your lack of progress a lack of resources or a lack of resourcefulness? And I think for a lot of us, it's mm. a lack of resourcefulness rather than the resources that we have around us. Mm. Um, we're just not may- maybe making the best use of what we have available to us. Um, mm. So that's always been mindset, my mindset with it. And again, with the challenge and the running and the various bits I've done for charity, that's always been it. Like, what can I? Eat? What resources do I have around me? How can I maximise them? How can I then use that mm. to move forward? Um, and that carries that on into my business and and everything else. Uh, when you look back at your 48 marathons, um, what did you learn about yourself? Did you learn anything new about yourself? That I'm stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> your wife um, could tell you that before, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, I already knew that one. Um, do you know what? Not, not a lot. Um, and, and this is the thing, right? So a lot of these challenges, people think they're going to find themselves. They're going to have an epiphany and they're going to they're going to finish a changed person. But I'd already done quite a few charity challenges, not to that extent. I'd already done a 24-hour ski erg event. I'd already done the 4 for 48 so four miles every four hours for two days. Um, I'd already done a 100,000-meter skier. I'd already done quite a lot of difficult things. I've already stood on my try line defending with my 14 mates defending for our life to try and make sure we don't lose a game of rugby. That's just as difficult as in those moments as it is in certain parts of running for marathons. So you learn for me, it's been this real kind of reaffirming that I can suffer. I can be stubborn. I can be resilient. I can be resourceful. And for me, I've always talked about them being anchor points in my life. So there's been times since that we've, had difficulties with coming out of COVID and future lockdowns and financial pressures, cost of living crisis, war in Ukraine, like the list goes on. But no matter how hard it is, it's probably not actually going to be as hard as that day, whatever day it was in the 48, where I genuinely questioned my sanity and my ability to continue. So for me, they're always, they, they gave me anchor points in my life that I know that I can, overcome i can adapt i can move forward so whatever life happens to throw at me i now i can probably keep moving forward and come out the other side in some way shape or form mm-hmm. um so it never really taught me at these life like epiphanies it, it just reinforced what i thought i already knew about myself i learned a lot about other people um people that i thought were friends people that i didn't really know that showed incredible generosity support and compassion and and generosity throughout but for me personally there wasn't this kind of like heavens open the angels appeared and there was this aha moment um that did however happen in the desert um in the middle of running the marathon de Sable, um where i had an aha moment of there's these challenges of nothing left to teach me 
And again, this is something that I think is often unspoken about is we almost get into this headspace that if you should always be striving, always pushing, always learning, always trying to force yourself to, to do more, be more, say more, have more, earn more, the list goes on. But after I've done so many charity challenges and put myself in such a hard spot so many different times, I remember climbing over a mountain in the middle of Mar- um, Sahara Desert, just thinking, do you know what? Like, There's nothing left that I'm going to learn from these challenges. All I'm looking for is a thing that's going to break me. And that's a pretty sadistic way of looking at challenging yourself. Um, because what what if you never find that thing that really truly breaks you? Or what if um, you do and it's catastrophic to your headspace, your mental resilience, all the lessons mm. that you think you've learned about life? So for me, there was that moment on, on that mountain where I was like, you know, I don't need to prove anything to myself anymore, prove anything to anybody else. I, I know I can suffer. I know I'm stubborn. I know I've got resilience. I know I can adapt and overcome. That's enough. Um, and I suppose that's a value. I, I personally think that that's a valuable lesson because it's not a, a very sexy lesson to say that, do you know what? Sometimes you reach a point where you go, I've learned what I need to learn from these things mm-hmm. and that's okay. Um, and that's transcended into things like my business. Like before these challenges, I was pushing for more gyms, more sites, more members, more money. But it's made me take a step back and go, well, actually, that was chasing other people's version of success. And I think that's what I was doing in the early days of the challenges, is trying to stick two things up to a lot of people that thought I couldn't do them. And I think what I was doing with my business was chasing other people's version of success rather than what my mm-hmm. version of success was. And I talk about with the businesses that I consult for around the three dials of time, fun, and money. So if obviously, if you turn up the time dial and you have more time, you're probably going to have less money because you've got to pay the people to do stuff for your business, so on and so forth. And I was all those dials were maxed out because I was chasing other people's versions of success. Um, and it wasn't until I got back from the desert that I was like, actually, what do I define success as? What is my end goal? What what do I want my day, my life, my time, my relationships to look like? And my business should support that, not overtake that as the most important thing in life. Like at the end of the day, whether you work for a living or whether you have your own business, the majority of us do it because you want it to support a lifestyle that we want to have. But too often it becomes the main focus point of our life. So I've kind of gone off on a tangent here, but I guess the, the lesson it taught me was run your own race, define your own version of success. Mm-hmm. And when you think you've got to the point where you're done, it's okay to to be done. Um, genuinely, if I if I could have finished the marathon de Salle on day five, I would have happily gone. Do you know what? I've learned everything I need to do by being out here, taking home. But because I'm a stubborn bastard, I finished it and did the next two days and boxed it off to get a medal. But the point I'm making is like your version of success is what matters, not other people's. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the biggest like lesson it has really taught me I, re- I probably rambled a bit but hopefully there was some use no I, I really i really like that it's, it's interesting because we often feel we have to push the boundaries and of life and go the next level and and go 10 times and all this sort of 10x isn't it or whatever it is in your business and, and i think it's actually realizing it goes a little bit back to back to purpose realizing what our purpose is anyway and then almost running our own race and for our own purposes for our own sort of needs rather than say comparing and what you say from a gym point of view you were running somebody else's race of building gyms and more sites and everything else but actually realize that's not that wasn't me so what 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 is your 
definition from your point of view of success then how, how would how do you define success for for john clark uh, it's multifaceted um essentially my version of success now is having the time to do what i want with my family friends loved ones when i want to do them with enough money in my bank account to support those things that we want to do um so that is pretty much what my business is structured around i work two to three days a week in the businesses i have three to four days of my week where i'm with my family and my friends and loved ones and kids and there to see them grow up rather than just focused on more money and more people and more gyms and all those other bits and pieces so my version of success is having the time to do what i want to do when i want to do it with the people i want to do it with and be able to afford the lifestyle that we want that we want to have and there are some days where you've got to turn the time dial down and you have less time at home because you need to do, do more work on the business to try and push that and so on and so forth but yeah for me it's like you might i've lost count of the amount of people that are oh, what's the next challenge and they always look so deflated when the answer is nothing <laughs> <laughs> nothing like i'm competing i'm going to try and compete middle strongest man that's a chat that, that's a hobby is that a challenge probably not but that's a focus um but no there is no stupid ridiculous world first world record never been done before type thing over the hill because i'm i'm happy with where i'm at um and yeah so that to me is success we define that as a family what we want out of our lives in the right here and the right now we review that every few months like obviously things change as the kids grow older and become more independent that that mm. will change as well over time but right now and here and the now 36 year old john's version of success is the time with his family the money to support the lifestyle that he has um and generally happy um and i'm not i'm not one to go down the whole route of like happiness is a goal because for me happiness is an emotional response to a situation i don't think it's an omnipresent thing that we can achieve but it's how is your day set up to provide you with the maximal opportunities to feel happiness within what you're doing and pride at what you're doing and building and the, the things that you're doing with your life and so yeah i can hand on heart say that i'm in a really good good place with that and i'm thankful for the lessons all the stupid stuff has taught me um and i'm also thankful that i don't have to go and spend 26 hours a week running in every possible weather and climate to prepare for the next challenge um I've, I've, <laughs> that part of my life has passed <laughs> <laughs> oh that's fantastic i love that and, and i love your your honesty and your uh your down-to-earth your rawness and I suppose what really struck me, you've got this incredible self-awareness that is you keep tuning, fine-tuning and, and how you do navigate things. You're constantly internalizing and I think that's brilliant. And, you know, well done for doing 48 marathons, 48 days and 48 counties. It's a fantastic achievement. Um, should be immensely proud of it. And obviously, with David Goggins would put it in the cookie jar, you know, as, a, as, a, as, as you say, an anchor point of when I'm going through tough times, well, it's not as hard as 48 marathons. Clearly, it mustn't be hard as that or, or whatever it might be. Reframing things, um, brilliant tool to use. Um, thank you for your time, uh, John. And if people want to get in touch with you um, and sort of engage with you, what's the best way of doing that with? What what social media sort of, is that best for that? Um, Instagram where I spend most of my social media time. Um, that's where I run one of my businesses from. So uh, my Instagram handle is at the bending barbell. 
um, relevant to my strong Mondays. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, find me on there, drop me a message. Um, always keen to connect with people, whether it's if you've got any questions. Uh, quite a lot of people, because Marathon to Sarva is coming up, have been in such recently about bits and pieces to do with that. So yeah, if you're doing any challenges or you want to touch base on any kind of concepts or stuff we've spoken about, then yeah, definitely feel free to reach out. Love to hear from you. Um, and if you disagree with anything I've said as well, I'd love to also hear your, your thoughts on that as well, because like, we're not always right, are we? So <laughs> we get to hear a cat discussion as well. Brilliant. Thank you, John. Really appreciate that. No worries. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you do like this episode, then please do rate, review and share with your friends and colleagues. As a coaching practice, we coach high performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions. We'll help you to go beyond what you believe is possible. If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation with me. Contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com. <laughs>